Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're talking about baggage. We're talking about baggage. The scripture that we get for the whole series is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. We've read it every single week. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race marked before us. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Another translation says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight, the baggage that we carry. It's we're laying aside this weight or this baggage. Why? Because we don't want it to hinder us from reaching the destination, from running the race that God has called us to run here on this planet. And I want to talk to you today about a topic I believe that we've all dealt with at some point in our lives. I want to talk to you about disappointment. I want to talk to you about disappointment. I want to talk to you about how we deal with disappointment. Everybody on this planet at some point has been disappointed. It's part of life. Uh, But I'm going to read and talk to you in a scripture today about a group of individuals that really, you probably know the scripture, but... I've never heard it talked on disappointment. In fact, as I was reading it, God was speaking to me about it, and so I wasn't expecting it to be about disappointment, but God was speaking to me about disappointment. I said, we're going to do it. So we're going to talk to you about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Very famous kids' churchy uh, story that we all hear about, um, but some of you may not know it, and so if you don't, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were these three men who believed in God, who followed God, and this king whose name was Nebuchadnezzar, he decided to create this idol, this statue of himself. He decided to create this gold statue of himself, and he said, I want everybody in the region, in the area, I want them all to come, and I want them to, I'm going to play this music, and I want them to bow down and worship God this idol when I play the music. So they call everybody together and they play this music and everybody in the land, the scripture says, says all nations, all races, the Bible says, bow down and worship him, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says that these men that work with Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and for King Nebuchadnezzar run to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, King, I want you to know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have not bowed down. The Bible says the king gets furious. He says, he calls them in. He says, go get them. He calls them in. They come and he, lo- he likes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he says, I'm gonna give you one more shot. I'm gonna give you one more chance to bow down to the idol or if not, you're gonna get thrown into a fiery furnace, okay? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, sorry, we're not gonna do it. They were preachers. They said, we, even if God's gonna save us and even if he doesn't, we gonna, it's gonna be all right. And so Shadrach, the Bible says, King Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, gets furious. The Bible says he's so furious with rage, filled with rage, that the Bible says that his face distorts. He gets distorted, and so he's got some anger issues. Come on, somebody. Y'all know anybody on the road like that? Come on, anyway, it doesn't matter. And so his face is distorted. He gets so mad, he says he's so angry, and he's so frustrated with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, turn the furnace up seven times hotter than normal. Normal fire is not enough. Turn it up seven times more. They turn up seven times more. The Bible says that the fire is so hot that the men that were going to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, it was so hot that actually the fire killed them. The Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar just looks into the fire and he freaks out. He stands up. He's, he says, oh my goodness, didn't we throw three men into the fire? The Bible says one of his men says, yes, we threw three in. King Nebuchadnezzar says, well, look. 
He says, I see in the fire, there's four men, and one of them looks like a god. The Bible says King Nebuchadnezzar calls them out, and they come out the fire, and the Bible says that, that King Nebuchadnezzar talks to them, and he says that none of them had been burned. The Bible says not even their clothes had been stinged. And the Bible says, in fact, it stepped further than that. They didn't even smell like smoke. Y'all have been hanging out at campfire? You never jumped in the fire, but you smell like you did? You know what I'm saying? You got to like take a shower because your hair even smells like fire. You know what I'm talking about? And it says, the Bible says that they didn't even smell of smoke. And the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar praises God. And he says that he promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, doesn't just promote them. And he says, if anyone speaks against God, that they would face judgment from him. And so from this story, I see how to deal with disappointment. And you're like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm glad you think that way because I want to show it to you today. And I believe this as we face disappointment in our lives, as we walk through it in all different situations and in all different seasons, we have to first know this, that disappointment is a part of life. Disappointment is a part of life. In this story, and I want to read it to you, in Daniel chapter 3, in verse 7, it says, so at the sound of the musical instruments, I'm going to read just a few verses of what we just talked about. All the people, whatever their race or nation or language, fell down and worshipped the image of, the, of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the, God, the, the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They, put no, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into rage and, and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. I see in this scripture, as we just read these few verses, so much disappointment that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced. They faced the disappointment of the entire race, the entire culture, the entire country of people are all bowing down to this idol. The culture is in such a place of paganism, a, such a place of being far from God that they're not obeying the word and they're, 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 they can be quickly, easily disappointed in what culture looks like. That can happen with us. We can look at our culture and we can look at our society and we can say, oh no, culture is just, oh, is crazy. And we become disappointed with culture. I see that they're disappointed with their coworkers. These men that went into the king and ratted out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were coworkers. They worked together. You ever been thrown under the bus? Don't feel too good. I don't know about you, but I don't like getting thrown under the bus. You might like getting thrown under the bus. Cool. Well, get under the bus then, but I don't like it. I know this. When we get thrown under the bus, it feels, it makes an impact on us. The people, the very people they were working with day in, day out, they were hanging around the water cooler talking about Will Smith. Did he really slap Chris Rock or did he not really slap Chris Rock? Did he send a meme? Here's another meme and every meme. And actually, you know, there's so many memes, nobody even knows about the memes. This is the people they're working with. Disappointment. There can be disappointment in their king. This is the one that they serve. It can be a disappointment in their government. We can easily, quickly get disappointed in our government because they're doing things we don't want them to do or they're, they're saying things they, sh we sh they shouldn't say or we, think they sh or we think they shouldn't say. I'll put it that way. And we can get disappointed in our government. We get frustrated and this is going to happen. They get, there was also, there could be disappointment in their boss. The king was their boss. 
You ever had a conversation with your boss and he disappointed you with letting you down and promising you something you never received and saying you were gonna get something and you didn't? You ever been, he could, they could have faced disappointment with this. Could have faced disappointment with God. They were the only three people that stood up for God in the entire region. And yet still they got thrown into a fire. God, where are you? Don't you see me in my workplace working serving, loving people, loving you, living by the right standards. And God, why why are you allowing this to happen? They could have been disappointed in God. But they understood this, and this is something we must understand, that disappointment is a part of life. It's not because of something that we do. Sometimes it could be, but it's not normally because of something we do. It's it's just that because of the curse of sin on this planet, that we will always face in different seasons and times disappointment on this planet. Why? Because we're imperfect people. But when we get to heaven, we, there will be no longer disappointment because then we all sin and all of the curse of sin has been removed and so there will be no disappointment in heaven. It will be completely uh, living in his glory. But, but as we walk on this planet, we have to know this. It's inevitable. It's inevitable that you and I, I know, you're like, man, this is a great encouraging word, praise God. No, but disappointment, I just want to, again, because we can get to a place, hear me, as Christians, that we think Christians have this, like, this button that creates this bubble where we're just protected from everything. It is inevitable that you in your lifetime, even if you already have, you will still at some point face disappointment. It's inevitable. Well, no, but we love Jesus. Oh, I spit everywhere. You love Jesus. It doesn't matter. Our love for Jesus has nothing to do with what we face on this earth. There are seasons and times that we're just gonna face. Why? Because of the curse of sin. And that's a whole nother message for a whole nother day that is on this planet. So here's what we have to know. We have to know that at some point in seasons in our lives, we have to understand we're gonna face disappointment. We're not gonna try to resist it. I try to hide from it. We're not gonna try to avoid it. Why? Because we know it's a part of life. Different things we all face, different things. Maybe you're in a place in your life where you're believing for a job. You're believing for a promotion. You haven't got the promotion you wanted to get. You haven't got the job you wanted to get. Or maybe you lost your job. This can all be ways and things that we can be disappointed in. Maybe it's a friend. Those in the the room that have friends that you've been you left them and they talked bad about you and you were in a different place in a different, in a different house or a different room and, and you heard someone say that they mentioned you in a negative way. That can be disappointing. Why? Because you spend your, your heart and your energy loving them and caring for them and being loyal to them and they let you down. For those that are married in the room, a decision your spouse could have made, a, a thing your spouse could say can cause disappointment. For those that are single in the room, the relationship didn't work out the way that you thought it would. And that can create disappointment. And it can cause you to say, God, where are you? What are you doing? There's all different things on this planet that we walk through that can create disappointment. Maybe you're a parent in the room and you had a child make a decision that was disappointing to you. Maybe you're a child in the room and maybe your parents made a decision that disappointed you. Maybe they got divorced when you were younger and you didn't understand why and it created disappointment in your heart. Well, here's the thing about disappointment that we have to understand. Long before we deal with, dis, uh, the, with bitterness or unforgiveness, we have to deal with disappointment. See, here's what happens. It's this, it's this journey. If we'll deal with the disappointment before we have to deal with the bitterness, we'll never have to deal with the bitterness. And then we'll never have to deal with the unforgiveness. Not another unforgiveness message. 
I know I gotta let it go, all right? I hate him. I give it to you. <laughs> not another tell me, no, not, I don't, I know I gotta pray for him. I know I gotta love him. I know. Well, here's the thing. Oftentimes, as, as, as pastors and as teachers, we can talk a lot about unforgiveness and bitterness, but what happens is if we really get down to the root of it, it starts with disappointment. Disappointment creates this, uh, this expectation in our lives where we're disappointed. It creates this concept of us being bitter because we've been disappointed. And then from the bitterness, we become hatred, we become angry, we have hatred in our hearts, and that's where the unforgiveness comes. So God wants us as, as believers to start to understand, okay, I wanna first work on the, the disappointment to where I don't ever have to deal with the bitterness or the unforgiveness. Maybe in a place where you lost a loved one or a friend, and you were believing for them. That can be disappointing. That can be a disappointment. Maybe you're at a place where you know you didn't meet the monthly quota and the boss had to talk to you. It's disappointing. Maybe your boss had gave a promise you a promotion and you never received it. That can be a disappointment. Maybe you stepped out and led a small group. You were bold, you said, God's calling me this year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead a small group, and you started leading it, and nobody showed up. That can be a disappointment. There's all different things we face. Maybe the business deal fell through or maybe you made a colossal mistake or a decision and now you're disappointed in yourself and you can't get over it. There's so many things that we walk through in life that we can disappoint us that oftentimes we kind of just brush it off and we think, oh, we we'll just figure it out. But no, we have to understand that if we know, okay, this is a part of life, then I have to know that I have to face this because if I don't face this, I'm gonna internalize this and it's gonna come out later on as baggage in my life. Does that make sense? Maybe if you're a football fan or a basketball fan or a baseball fan, your, fan, your team didn't win. That can be a disappointment. Maybe you're not a sports fan. Hanging around people that are sports fans, that can be a disappointment. <laughs> I remember, I'm, and many of you know, I'm from New Orleans and I'm a Saints fan, and I remember just a few years ago, we're making the playoffs, and everybody says, this is our year. This is the year we're going to the Super Bowl. We're winning it all. And I'll never forget we're playing the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings today because that's not what I'm called to do. <laughs> and we're up, and some of you may remember this. Some of you may not. We're, we're winning, and it's the last play of the game. And, I mean, I'm hyped. I'm excited. I got friends over. We're just, we're just uh, we're, it's over. One last play. There's no way. They, it's, they're far away from the end zone. There's no way they can score. Game's over. We're moving on. Praise God. Let's start celebrating. And they throw this one awkward pass. This dude catches the ball. It's was really un, un very awkward tackle that happens. It doesn't tackle him, misses the tackle, dude scores a touchdown, and it becomes one of the most well-known plays in history called the Minnesota Miracle. Well, let me tell you something in my heart. It was no miracle. <laughs> it was a major disappointment. A major disappointment. In fact, I remember having friends over. It happened. I was shocked. I didn't know what to say. Literally, all I said was, everybody get out. <laughs> I kicked everybody out of my house. Everybody left, and then no kidding, actually, no, she's a true story. It's like 7.15. It's literally, it's still daylight outside. It's like 7.15. I, I tell Ash, I said, you know what? I can't deal with it tonight. I'm just going to bed. I went and shut all the lights off in my room. I laid in my bed. 7.15, I just stared at the ceiling for hours. I didn't know how to deal with the disappointment. And I'm being funny, obviously. I'm being funny, but seriously, we all face different types of disappointment. And what can happen is when we have expectations in someone or something and it doesn't happen, this is where 
the disappointment can happen. But we have to know this. We have to know that it's inevitable. It's inevitable. it's, It's going to happen. We have to be okay with it. And we have to be just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me show you what I mean in, in, in Daniel chapter three, verse seven. It says, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, wherever the race or the nation or language, fell down and worshiped the image of gold that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They all fell down. See, this is, there's two ways to face disappointment. I can face it by falling into it and caving into it and letting the emotions just run, or I can face it and stand up to it. And here's what happens if we stand up to it and we embrace it. Here's what happens. We, it never becomes this huge deal in our life, and so it never becomes baggage. But here's what happens if we hide it, if we cave into it, if we just give up, we just give up on it. Here's what happens. It ends up becoming baggage in our lives. And in fact, it causes us to then be, to have the victim mentality. The mentality of, oh, it's just when it rains, it pours. Oh, it is when it, it's just, just my luck. Knowing my luck, yep, everybody else will get the promotion. Everybody, the boss says, everybody's getting the 3% raise. Knowing my luck, it's not gonna be me. Like, and so we have this victim mentality where all the negative things happen to us when that's not the case at all. It's that we understand that we all face disappointment. But we have to be willing to face it and embrace it because we know, in fact, if I do face it and embrace it, it's actually gonna help me to grow. It's actually gonna help me be a better husband or a better friend or a better spouse or a better, a better coworker or a better employee or a better employer. It's gonna help me if I'm willing to embrace it. I remember talking with Ashley and we were talking and she was talking to me about little things that happened in her life and she was just disappointed and just this disappointment and stuff in her life. And, and I just said, babe, you gotta know, being the good pastor that I am. I said, you gotta know, babe. You just gotta embrace it. You gotta embrace it because your past doesn't define you. Embrace your disappointments. She thinks about it a little while and comes and hugs me. And I was like, man, I didn't think it was that good, but okay, it's great. I'm like, yeah, that's the good pastor husband that I am. And she continues to hold on. And I'm like, okay, babe, was it really that good? She's like, well, you told me to embrace my disappointments. She didn't really do that, by the way, just in case you were wondering. None of that happened. That was a joke, but I thought it was a good joke. I had to tell it. Come on, somebody. But I'm being funny, but seriously, it, just, like King, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do, they don't, they don't bow. They don't fall to it. They stand to it. And from standing to it, it allowed them to be able to face it in a way that the others couldn't. Daniel chapter Three in verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you if we are thrown into the blazing furnace. The God uh, whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, actually, believe it or not. In verse 18 right here, it says, and even if he doesn't, our God can save us. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were preachers. They're like, our God can save us. They're ready to preach good stuff about God. They're preaching, but they say, but even if he doesn't, we still choose not to bow. What does this show us in disappointment in any and all areas of life? But we have to understand that disappointment is a part of life. But then too, we have to understand that God desires for us to remain faithful through the disappointment. Remain faithful through the disappointment. 
See, oftentimes, isn't it interesting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the only ones that didn't bow? If anybody was going to see a miracle of God removing them from the situation, it would have been Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But isn't it interesting God did not allow them to be removed from the situation? They had to go through the situation. See, oftentimes we want God to remove us. Hello? God, we oftentimes want God to remove us. That was like a squirrel. You know what I'm saying? It happens to me, sorry. And it, oftentimes we want God to remove something or us from a situation. God, remove this pain from my life, from this, this breakup that I had. God, why are you allowing me to feel this heartbreak? It's not that he wants you to feel it, but he wants you to walk through it. Why? Because he knows if you walk through it, you'll grow from it. And here's the great thing about the God that we serve. He doesn't say, go work through it. No, he says, I want to walk with you through it. This is the God that we serve. This is why we honor him and celebrate him and serve him because we know he's a God that doesn't just leave us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He doesn't just leave us in our disappointment. He wants, us to, help. He wants to walk with us through our disappointment in life. And oftentimes in life, this is how we become. We want to be removed from the situation. We want to be removed from the hurt. We want to be removed from the pain. When God is saying, no, understand the breakthrough is not, from being, is not in being removed. The breakthrough is, is in going through the disappointment in our life. Why? Because there's growth that will happen. Your next relationship that you walk through, you'll be more matured and you'll be stronger in, your, in the Lord. You'll be, you're stronger in your faith. Why? Because you allow God to help you walk through it. And oftentimes, if we don't walk through it and we remove ourselves from it, we don't learn anything. And then from not learning anything, you know what we do? The same thing again. And then you know what happens after the same thing again? We get in the same disappointment again. It's because we've not allowed ourselves to walk through it to allow God to help us grow in it. Important that we understand this as we continue to grow in our walk with God. And I love this. In uh, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not have to defend ourselves. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. I love this. They didn't have to defend themselves. As Christians, we oftentimes, as believers, we oftentimes think we need to defend ourselves on Facebook or we need to defend ourselves with friends that don't serve God. We need to defend why we do what we do. We need to defend our standards. We, need to, we want to make sure we defend. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I don't need to defend myself. It reminds me of the scripture with Peter. Jesus is in Gethsemane and here come the people and the men that were coming to arrest Jesus. And Peter, being the zealous Peter that he is, he whips out a sword. Nobody knows where this guy got a sword. He shouldn't have had it, never should have had a sword. He busts out a sword. He's like, Jesus, I got you. I mean, he's just swinging a sword. All of a sudden, cut somebody's ears off, ear off. He probably thought at that moment, I am living the dream. You know what I'm saying? Like, I cut off somebody's ear. But isn't it interesting, the very same night, not a week later, not two days later, not a month later, not a year later, the very same night, hours later, Peter is willing to defend Jesus unto death in front of his homies. But then hours later, he won't even stand for Jesus when he's by himself. It shows us this, that there's this counterfeit faithfulness that can happen, and it's very hypocritical. It's this counterfeit faithfulness that says, when I'm with my homies, 
with the people that love Jesus, with the people that know I'm a Christian in my small group. You know what? Oh, me and Jesus. Oh, yeah, G oh, nobody else. Oh, yeah, me and God. But then when we get when no one else is looking, we don't, we're not faithful. We can't stand. See, God would much rather, oh my goodness, I'm gonna step on some toes. God would much rather us stand for him than defend him. And when I say stand for him, I mean standing for him in the relationship and the lifestyle that he's called us to. Here's the question I would ask you. Yeah, you can sing real good and real loud in here, but what does your life look like when you're speaking with your spouse at home by yourself? Yeah, oh, young people, we can get fired up and we can do a little dance for Jesus and we can do all the good things for you. Yeah, go on a college night, woo, small group, yeah. But what does your life look like when you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend by themselves when no one else is looking? What does your faithfulness look like? Because what I know, the God that we serve, he's not looking for a counterfeit faithfulness that says, I'll defend you in front of everyone. No, he's looking for somebody that says, God, no matter what I am facing or walking through, no matter who's around me, I choose to stand for you. And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Doesn't matter. King Nebuchadnezzar. I won't do it. I'm going to remain faithful. And they say, even if. Many of you know the story. Many years ago, I had a friend who was diagnosed with cancer. She was 27 years old and she diagnosed with breast cancer. And we began to pray for her and believe for her. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. I remember getting to the point where the more we prayed, the sicker she got. And I remember getting to the place where I just knew in my heart she was going to be healed. I remember one time we went to the church. We had all night prayer meetings for her. And I remember going to the church. It was 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. at night. And it was hundreds of people praying for her. And I just knew we're about to see a miracle. Not two days later, we get a phone call. She passed away. Well, God, where are you? God, we did what you said to do. God, you said if two or three are gathered in your name, anything we speak, anything we pray, anything we ask. God, you said that the faith of a mustard seed, God, you saw our faith. There were hundreds of people. What are you doing? I was in Bible college preparing to be a pastor with my life, and never in my life has my faith been more shaken. I'll never forget, a pastor just a few days later comes and speaks to our leadership team and, and they said something that I stand on still to this day. They said, you know what, real faith isn't when you pray and you see the answer. They said, real faith is even when you don't understand, you still choose to believe. And even if faith God, I've been praying for my husband or my wife for so long. God, I'm single. God, you know, you see my purity. You see my heart. But God, what, where's my spouse? But God, I know this. Even if you don't send them, I'm going to trust you. God, I've been wanting this promotion. I'm working hard. I'm trying. I'm, I'm studying. I'm doing all the things I should do with the interview. God, I know you're going to be with me in the interview. God, I'm believing you're going to give me the interview. But even if... I don't get the promotion, I'm gonna trust you.
God, I've been sick in my body and I, after, it's one thing after another. I'm sick for a week and then I get better and I'm sick again and I get better. And, I, and God, it's this constant battle with my physical health. And God, I know you're going to heal me. But even if, I'm going to still choose to trust you. God is looking for us to remain faithful, even in the disappointment that we're so upset about that we can't understand why. God, even if. I know that you are good. And so even if I don't see it the way that I think it should be, even if I don't see it in this lifetime, I know I'm gonna see your goodness in the next. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna remain faithful where I am and what you've called me to because I know God, even if, I trust you. Remaining faithful to him. We oftentimes base our faithfulness on our circumstances and our situations and what we see and what we feel when that is nothing to do with faithfulness. Faithfulness has to do with no matter what I'm walking through or facing, I'm trusting because I know he's good. I see, here's what it is. I'm not looking so much at his, at his hand as I am his heart. See, when we look for his hand, here's what we do. Then we're basing it on what we get and what we don't get. If we look at his heart, we know no matter what, he, what happens, he's good. Does that make sense? Remaining faithful. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 22, as I close today, it says, And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as so they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and explained to the advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Here's what I know about disappointment. What I see in this scripture. Disappointment's a part of life. We're going to face it. We're going to walk through it. But then it's not just that. We have to say, okay, I desire to remain faithful through the disappointment. And the reason why I can remain faithful through the disappointment is because I see right here in this scripture. I remain faithful through the disappointment because I know God is in the middle of my disappointment. Do you notice here that God shows up? But he doesn't show up when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being tied. He doesn't show up when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are talking to the king. That would have been real nice. God, you know what? God, I'm speaking for you. It'd be real nice if you show up and show everybody right now that I'm telling the truth. He's getting tied up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, God. <laughs> getting close. Come on. It'd be real nice right now. Like, smite them. You know what I'm saying? Walking to the furnace, God doesn't show up. Okay, God, it's getting real hot. Are you sweating? I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Are you sweating? I don't know if it's hot or I'm just sweating because I'm stressing. God, oh, God. Notice God doesn't show up until they're in the fire. Why? Because God wants us to see that He's right in the middle of the disappointment. He's not before the disappointment. He's not after the point. Actually, he's before and after this point. But he's in the middle of the disappointment. Oftentimes we're like, God, why wouldn't you save me from this relationship? Why'd you tell me to date the person? He probably didn't. It doesn't matter. Anyways. Well, praise God. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. God, why would you let me be in this relationship? And why would you let me do? Why, 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 why? Why, God, why are you doing? What was happening? 
Why wouldn't you remove this pain? Because he, he wants you to see him in the pain. He wants you to look to him in the pain. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love this. I love it. You got to really know the script. You got to really study the scripture and see this as we read it together. Oftentimes we can read scripture and we just say, oh, good story. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, kings, the Bible says the king sees them. He says, look. He says, there are four men walking around in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fire. It's so hot, the people throwing them into the fire die. It's so hot, they don't just sit in the fire, not just like shaking each other's hands in the fire. Like they decide like to walk around in the fire. Like they're looking at King Nebuchadnezzar. Yep, told you. What now? You know what I'm saying? Like, like who, who, what, who, why? Because here's what they knew. They knew, they knew, hear me, hear me. They knew that God was in the middle of it. And so, because God's in the middle of it now, I can face it. Why? Because in the end, it's not really me facing it. It's him facing it. And he loves me so much, he's going to take care of me in it and through it. Here's the, a, a crazy thought the Lord showed me, the, uh, asked me to talk to me the, the other day. Let, think about this real quick. He's in the middle of your disappointment. What if, just a question, what if disappointment was a human emotion. You're like, uh, it is a human emotion. Thank you, I'm glad you remember that. Okay, what if disappointment was a human emotion that was God-given to remind us of his grace? What if the very disappointment, the frustration of the closed door, was actually God's human emotion that he gave us to remind us that he is so good that he closed the door. What if, oh my goodness, this is so good. What if the very hurt that we received from the relationship not working out, what if that was the human emotion that God was giving us to remind us that he is good to protect us from that person in our lives? What if the job that was closed that we didn't get and we had to look somewhere else and we lost it and we said, God, where are you? What if that very emotion was actually God given to remind us that he was taking us to a greater plan and a greater future? What if the very emotion that we frustrates us and that we try to run away from, what if it's God's reminder that he is good? Why? Why is he good? Because he's in the middle of it. Because he cares about every detail of your life. Oh, I don't really know God. I'm kind of, I kind of just like, I kind of just go to, let me tell you something. He cares about you just as much as somebody that loves him and cares for him and lives for him. Let me tell you something. He's in the middle of our lives. What if the very things that we think are negative emotions in our lives are actually reminders of how good he is? Because let me tell you something, friends. He's good. His ways will always be better than our ways. And so the things that can disappoint us and frustrate us and cause us to say, God, why? All he's wanting us to do is look up and say, God, I see you all up in the middle of it. We oftentimes, when we get out of the situation and we look back five, ten years from now, for those of you that know, you look... You look back and you're like, oh my gosh, God's hand was all in that. But let's not wait 10 years to be reminded of his goodness. 
let's remember it now. And here's what happens when I remember his goodness. Now my mindset is not necessarily on the emotion. Now it's on his goodness. And so now it helps me remain faithful in that situation. Oh my goodness. Let us be a people, a group of individuals. As we look at this baggage of disappointment, that we would be a people that say we're not going to let it hinder us or slow us down or cause bitterness in us, but we're going to allow it to remind us of his goodness, to allow it to build our faith to an either stronger or greater level. This, I believe, is how God desires for us to live. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?